0: Hey there, Scary Gary Parish. Welcome back to the CBS Sports' Ion College Basketball Podcast, where we sometimes discuss camel fighting, dodo birds, and leaky black, the Ion College Basketball Podcast. It's presented by Jersey Mike's. Jersey Mike's a sub above. Kyle Boone is here with me. He's at home in in Oklahoma. I'm in a hotel in New York City, uh, just out of the studio, CBS Sports Network. If you're watching on YouTube, smash the like button like you're Brandon Davies. You have consent. If you haven't yet subscribed to the CBS Sports College Basketball YouTube channel, please do that while you're here. Okay, let's get into it. Thursday, Sweet 16 games are... Officially in the books, we're going to get to all four of them before we're out of here, but uh, there's no better place to start than with the one that, that finished last. Gonzaga 79, UCLA 76 in an absolute thriller. UCLA was up 13 at the half. Then Gonzaga went up 10 points late. Then UCLA erased that lead with an Amari Bailey three with 13 seconds left to go back up. And then Gonzaga retook the lead on a Julian Strother three with 7.2 seconds left. Strong jaw before we show everybody uh, the play, which is going to look very familiar. If you're a college basketball fan, make sense of, of what we just saw out in Las Vegas. I, I
1: can't, I can't right off the bat. I have no idea what just happened. Uh, Gonzaga, could not stop UCLA on offense for 25 minutes of this game. And I had it on my second screen thinking this is, this is not even going to be close. UCLA is running away with it. Amari Bailey was big in the first half and Gonzaga storms back. They take the lead and you think, okay, Gonzaga's got this. And then they don't have it. And UCLA takes the lead late. Amari Bailey makes a big shot. And suddenly, the Gonzaga's on the ropes. And then, lo and behold, as, as we'll allude to here in a moment, Julian Strother, from the logo, pulls up from three. He's the hero of the day. Huge game for him. Huge game for Drew Timmy. The Zags moving to the Elite Eight. One of the best games. I don't want to be too hyperbole, too, too in the moment, but this feels like definitely maybe the best game of the NCAA tournament so far. We had two really good ones tonight.
0: In the spirit of full transparency, up until about 20 minutes ago, we were starting this podcast with Marquise Noel and his incredible performance inside Madison Square Garden in his hometown to get Kansas State into the Elite Eight. And we're going to get to that. The only reason I tell you that now is – um, because my notes are all over the place, I've had to totally re-scramble and reshuffle an entire show. So if it seems a little scattered, it's because it is a little scattered. But let me try to walk you through exactly how this UCLA Gonzaga game unfolded again. So, like I mentioned, UCLA's up 13 at the half, 46 33. Uh, the Zags were turning the ball over; they couldn't really get stops. Um, it 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 looked like they were possibly on their way to to getting blown out, and if not blown out, at least eliminated from the NCAA tournament. Jaime Jaquez for UCLA scored uh, with 12.30 left in the game to put UCLA up 59-52. And then the Bruins missed their next 11 shots. UCLA went on, I mean, Gonzaga rather, went on a 20-4 run, and it was 72-63 Gonzaga before ucla scored another field goal with 114 left the bruins like literally went 11 minutes and 16 seconds without a field goal like they're tennessee or something um so gonzaga is then up 72 i believe 62 with 224 left 10 point lead with 224 left. Now, I had written a UConn column earlier, and in that column somewhere it said the Huskies will either play Gonzaga or UCLA in the Elite Eight on Saturday. So naturally, with a 10-point lead late, I went in and changed it to they will play Gonzaga. And then Amari Bailey hit a shot, and I was like, oh, no, I must change that back to UCLA or at least league, be ready to change it again very quickly. And that is when suddenly down – with Adam Morrison, of all people, sitting courtside, I just felt sick for that guy because it's in back in 2006, literally on this day, 17 years ago, where Gonzaga blew a nine-point lead with a little more than three minutes to go. So this would have actually been worse than that. This would have been a bigger collapse than that. And all of this stuff, Adam Morris is sitting there. The Zags just... Uh, squandered a lead uh, against all. I, I saw this on Twitter that at one point late in the game, Gonzaga was maybe minus a thousand on the money line to win the game. I mean, it was like, it, it, and then all of a sudden they were down um, in the final seconds. And at that point, uh, again, you'll recognize this play if you're watching on YouTube. It looks very similar to a play that was used to win a national championship for Villanova once upon a time. Uh, take a look at it here. Because you've also dominated the offensive glass. Chances are you'll get more than one opportunity. for the lead. One day it's Chris Jenkins. Next day it's Julian Strother. That was a little deeper. And Mark Few did say in the postgame um, on-court interview that Strother there has an option to get downhill or he can pull it if he's comfortable. And Mark sort of smiled and said, I had a feeling he might pull it if he got that space. (laughs) Said they practice that play every day. He makes that shot all the time. It might have been a bad shot for me or for you or for a Tennessee player, but for Julian Strother, um, that is a shot he's comfortable with. And it's a little bit like the Chris Jenkins one in the sense that he catches it in rhythm, he catches it uh, and is able to step into it. And for anybody who's ever been into a practice or a shoot around, you know, these guys that are considered great three point shooters in games, like they really do knock down shots like that all day long. I mean, just open three pointers for good three point shooters are, it's not exactly like a, a an open layup, but they make those shots all the time. And, and, honestly you would rather i think the the data uh w- w- would underline this you would rather have him taking a clean look in rhythm from that deep than a contested look from somewhere else and he w- was uh, it, you know foot on the logo but still with a clean look at it and boy he stepped right into it and knocked it down we got a long list of all-time great shots in ncaa tournament history but the. That one's right up there. And now UCLA and Gonzaga have given us three absolute classics in the NCAA tournament. 2006, when UCLA storms back late. Uh, 2021, when Jalen Suggs hits the buzzer beater to send the Zags to the national title game. And now in this one, when Julian Strother hits a long three with a little more than seven seconds left to push Gonzaga back into the Elite Eight, just one more victory away from another trip to the Final Four.
1: And trailing by one point, by the way. Gonzaga right. only only needed two points. Strother pulls up from from legitimately from the logo. And uh, Mark Few did talk about it after the game on on television and, and said basically like, yeah, we, we drew it up for Julian. He had an option where he could pull up or he could take it to the rack. But I kind of had a feeling he was going to pull up. And it's a very fitting way for this game to end because Strother was fantastic in the second half. He had 14 points. Drew Timmy had 17 points. Um, Malachi Smith was really big in the second half, also had 12 points. But Strother's from Las Vegas. This regional is obviously in Las Vegas. And after the game, he's similar to Marquise Noel from Kansas State inside Madison Square Garden. He's shouting, this is my city. This is my (laughs) city. And he was feeling himself and uh, it was a really cool moment. Uh, Gonzaga has a, a way of uh, finding a little bit of flair for the dramatics in the NCAA tournament. Obviously, last year Jalen Suggs, or was that two years ago? Two years ago. Two years ago, with Jalen Suggs uh, jumping on the on the scores table. Uh, Julian Strother with it wasn't a buzzer beater, but uh, in, eventually won the game for Gonzaga. Huge shot when Gonzaga needed it, and um, yeah, it was great stuff. Great stuff. <laughs>
0: Yeah, like, um, I I think we've mostly been operating under the impression that, I don't know, New York City was Aaron Judges and Las Mm -hmm. Vegas was, I don't know, once upon a time, Floyd Mayweathers. Who owns Las Vegas now? It's Julian Strother. It's Julian Strother. We've reached a point, who could have ever guessed this? Boy in college basketball, amazing. Marquise Noel is is the king of New York City and Julian Strother is the king of Las Vegas. It is interesting um, that... We played four Sweet 16 games tonight in two different yeah. cities, and the two stars happened to be from the cities in which the games were played. Um, Marquis Noel uh, at the Garden, um, Julian Strother at T-Mobile, both really, really, you know, performing at a high level and making big shots um, in their hometowns. Like those are things you dream about and memories that 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 last forever and you mentioned timmy had i think 17 in the second half he had 36 in the game and this is what we were talking about last week after purdue got eliminated in the opening round of the NCAA tournament because at cbs sports we don't vote for national player of the year until after the elite eight i i don't want to speak for anybody else at cbs sports i speak for myself um the the national player of the year race has been opened up from my perspective And what I said last week remains true. If Drew Timmy goes on some kind of crazy statistical run and takes the Zags to the Final Four, I could envision myself submitting a ballot for Drew Timmy, National Player of the Year. And I think we'd all agree. 16 of 24 from the field in the Sweet 16, 36 points against UCLA. Well, that is a a wild statistical run. And he's maybe, maybe one more big game one more win away from, from being the national player of the year, at least, at least on the ballot, I'll submit.
1: Yeah. that was my preseason prediction. Drew Timmy over Oscar Chibwe. Um, So that would be interesting. Uh, g- interesting matchup for Gonzaga and for Drew Timmy in the next round, by the way, we won't, we won't get to the the preview, but Adama Sanogo, Donovan Klingon await the Zags. So that'll be fun. A uh, good matchup in, in the next round. Uh, Timmy was awesome, though. 36 points, 13 rebounds, just tremendous. Needed him. uh, Gonzaga, you know, advancing into the next round. Thought they were going to blow it. Um, UCLA just did not have the horses. And, you know, eventually, eventually the Jalen Clark injury. Going to catch up to him. Finally
0: did. No Adam Bona tonight, too. Um, So, yeah. I'm glad you said it because I didn't want to have to say it. I think yeah. anybody who listens to this podcast knows how uncomfortable I am patting myself on the back, how uncomfortable I can be telling you I told you so. I know. But, I mean, you who was out it. there Who was out there saying consistently at some point the Jalen Clark injury is going to catch up to you? At some point the Jalen Clark injury has to matter. I mean, I watched four basketball games tonight, and you'll never be able to convince me that – you know, if UCLA had Jalen Clark, this could have gone down differently. Similarly, if Michigan State would have had a healthy Jalen Clark, Tom yeah. Izzo could be coaching in the Elite Eight again. And if and if Rick Barnes had a healthy Jalen Clark, Tennessee, I mean, they'd have probably still lost and probably still scored in the 50s. But still, they could have maybe held FAU to a little lower number, you know? Yeah. Healthy Jalen Clark.
1: Doesn't get I, I hate.
0: I hate that it took this type of thing to happen to make everybody understand exactly what a healthy Jalen Clark can do for you. Mm. But here is UCLA gone in the sweet 16 after being a two seed in the NCAA tournament, at least in part, possibly because they did not have a healthy Jalen Clark. I tried to tell you, I knew I'd be right. Eventually.
1: You're right. GP, you're right. Clip that. You're right.
0: Making me very uncomfortable to to say that myself and to hear other people say it, but that's I do such a humble man. But I do appreciate it. You mentioned it. West Regional Final. It's going to be Gonzaga and UConn, and that's because the Huskies beat Arkansas's brains in on Thursday night, eighty eight sixty five. We'll get to that one next. But first, a word from our partners. Yes, yeah, somebody in the comments wondered if I thought a uh, healthy Jalen Clark could have helped Arkansas, I don't even think a healthy Jordan Clark was going to help Arkansas. Not today. It, it, not, not in this one because the final score was 88 65 Jalen Clark worth a lot. Healthy, not 23 points. <laughs> this game uh, was uh, a blowout really for the final 30 minutes. Yukon led by double digits, barely 10 minutes in by as many as 29 in the second half won by 23 points. I won't ask you if you're surprised UConn won because UConn was supposed to win. Um, but are you surprised that Arkansas wasn't even competitive in this game? Because I, I, I thought UConn would win. I thought UConn would cover. There, yeah. There's um my, my public picks are out there uh, to prove it. But I didn't think Arkansas would get run off the court the way it got run off the court. I mean, the game, again, for the final 30 minutes was not even competitive.
1: Yeah, I think... I'm surprised that Arkansas did not keep this close on one hand. On the other hand, I'm not surprised that UConn blew the doors off of this UConn team. This UConn team that we've seen at various points throughout this season has played like the best team in college basketball. And people look at UConn, they see the four next to them on the bracket and think, oh, they're a four seed. They had a pretty good year. They had some ups and downs, But when they were hot, when this team was really rolling, I think they were the best team in college basketball. Now, you could put Houston up there. You could put Alabama up there. um, We could have an argument about it. But UConn, for stretches during the season, was unquestionably a top-three team in college basketball. And they were annihilating people in in the same way that Alabama kind of annihilated people in the SEC. And so... I thought Arkansas would be a little bit more competitive. They have a ton of talent on this team. It's it's shocking that they would get blown out in the way in which they got blown out. I mean, several five stars on this roster, Anthony Black, uh, Nick Smith, You know, guys who I think will be top 10 picks. Black was really good, had 20 points. Nick Smith um, did make a start tonight. He had 11 points. Devo Davis, only three points. He, had, he got in foul trouble early. Um, Ricky Council had 17, but was somewhat inefficient. So... Yeah, I mean, like this, this UConn team, I think they are finally meeting the expectations that we had throughout the season for them. They are being more consistent on a regular basis. And when they are playing at their peak powers, I think they're maybe one of the best teams in college basketball. And they're obviously advancing and doing so pretty convincingly.
0: Yeah, I think everybody knows at this point that, you know, UConn started 14 and 0 with 13 double digit wins including a 15 point victory over Alabama. I've said that so many times I have it memorized like better than my kids birthdays. I have to think about when my kid's birthdays are more than I have to think about this. Yukon started 14 and 0 with 13 double digit victories including a 15 point win over Alabama. I could say it in my sleep. I might be saying it in my sleep right now. It's so late, you don't know. You don't know if I'm awake or not. Then um Yukon lost 6 of 8. They went 2 and 6. In a stretch in their Big East schedule, and then they won eleven of thirteen. So they entered this game twenty-seven and eight. Now they're twenty-eight and eight. And just because they are a four seed, um, doesn't mean that that's an accurate reflection of the caliber of this basketball team right now. Um, they're a a four seed in the bracket that is now ranked third at Ken Palm. Their Ken Palm ranking is better is, is 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 better than their actual seed. Like, go find another team that that applies to. I mean, Houston is is a one and a one. Alabama's a one seed, but two at Ken Palm. Connecticut's a four seed, three at Ken Palm. Connecticut has a better Ken Palm rating than it has a seed. And I'm not even debating whether they are underseeded. Like, the, you 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 seed the resume? And the resume did include a eight-game stretch where they lost six of those. But I remember talking to Norlander about it even during that stretch or right after that stretch and pointing out that if you sort the – I don't know if you know you can do this, but if you sort the data over at barttorvik.com, even in that stretch where UConn went two and six, they were still performing like a top 30 team in America. So they weren't playing badly. They were just losing games. And I know that might sound weird, but – The data was the data. Well, now they're playing really well again. And no escalators. The wonderful Mm. uh, UConn account tweeted this to me. Reminded me that you can sort data over at BartThorvick.com, which I appreciate it because sometimes I do forget. That's awesome. But if you sort it from February 1st to this day, do you know who the two best teams? It's trivia time. Do you Mm. know who? teams in the country are since february 1st according to barthorvik.com okay okay it's got to be
1: and no escalators be
0: obvious otherwise i'm setting this up for no reason mm. whatsoever mm.
1: one of them's got to be yukon the other one, one of them them is yukon be... part of me thinks no escalators i on college basketball listener maybe leaning ucla but i'm gonna go i'm gonna go
0: houston i, I think it's houston the numbers love number Houston. one is UConn since February mm-hmm. 1st. Number one is UConn. Number two, Gonzaga. And they're <clears> playing <throat> on Saturday for an opportunity to go um, to the final four. It should just be an absolutely uh, tremendous game. Um, whereas UCLA was a little shorthanded up front, a lot shorthanded up front uh, in an attempt to deal with Drew Timmy. Uh, it, there's nobody – the opposite of short up front more than UConn with Adama Sonogo and, and and Donovan Klingon. So I, I, I can't wait. I don't know what's going to be the best elite eight game, but on paper, that one is, is, is obviously pretty um, outstanding. And it was interesting listening to Eric Musselman talk about UConn after the Huskies blew out his Razorbacks, because he was like, I'm paraphrasing here, but he was like, you know, first off, they've got, you know that you know they can, they can, they, they've got good guards and so they can cause problems there. And then they've got the two centers and that's an issue. And you know, then they've got a small forward who can really pass it. He had seven assists in this game and that's unusual for college basketball. I think the exact quote was, Their pieces fit together really, really well. And he said, I think if you look at um, you know, when you watch that game, you, you thought that their offense was just impressive as their defense and vice versa. And that's what the metrics show. You know, UConn is is now number three in adjusted offensive efficiency, according to Ken Palm, 13th in adjusted defensive efficiency. Houston's the only other team in the country that's top 13 uh, in both. And they were terrific um, in every way uh, against Arkansas. Like I mentioned, up 17 at the half. They shot 60.7% from the field, 44.4% from three, and 100% from the free throw line in the first 20 minutes. They had a 60-40-100 in the first half against the top 15 defense. For the game, they finished 57% from the field, 45% from three, 81% from the line. I mean, just, you know, those are absolutely insane numbers against anybody, but especially against a team that is as talented and as as athletic as – As Arkansas. So, you know, you're reminded of, I guess the quote was from a little more than two years ago, uh, maybe three years ago. uh, Dan Hurley famously said in a press conference People better get us now. That's all. You better get us now because it's coming. As I pointed out in the column, I wrote, it's here, it has arrived. I don't know if UConn is going to win another game to get to the Final Four for the first time since 2014 or win three more games to take a national championship for the first time since 2014. But what I do know is they're good enough to do it. And that that's another point I made in the column, though they were never at any point in the season ranked number one in the AP poll or the coaches poll, mostly because Purdue beat them there. It was like a race from a race by the unranked, undefeated teams to get to the top. And Purdue beat them there. And UConn never got higher than second. But in December, UConn did move to number one at Ken Palm and never left the top six. Even when they went two and six in an eight-game stretch, never again left the top six uh, at Ken Palm. My point being, I don't know if they will do it, but what the computers have told us and what our eyeballs told us on Thursday night is that they're definitely good enough to do it. Um, we've known that since December.
1: Yeah. Not surprising at all. Um, that, you know, this, this Yukon team in a lot of ways, I think is so fun because they kind of embody how Dan Hurley is his personality, which is fiery in a word. Um, and this team just plays with some confidence, some swagger, and we've seen it at various points this season. They had some highs, they had some lows, but when they're really rolling, like when they're rolling today, I think, I don't think there's any team that's more fun to watch when they really have their stuff going. When Sanogo is really rolling down low and Klingon is rolling down low and they have the, the shooting to go with it. Like this is both offensive and defensively. This team I think is so much fun to watch and, um, not surprising at all that Hurley called a shot. I bet if you looked, you could probably find a similar quote from from Bobby Hurley on Arizona's <laughs> day. Um, yeah, they, I mean, like they have really blossomed in a way that the pieces just fit. Like like Muscle like Muscleman said the, the shooting works, the guards work, everything seems to be working at just the right time. And the confidence level is at a level we haven't seen. And, and when you blow out an Arkansas team that was this talented, and I get uh, not the highest-seeded team. Uh, this Arkansas team was was only an eight seed. But talent-wise, I mean, this was like a three- or four-seeded team uh, in the White tournament, and they just blew the doors off of them. So I think this could really change kind of their trajectory moving forward. Felt really good about UConn, obviously, going forward. But now, I mean – winning by 23 over this Arkansas team, man, stunning.
0: So now it's going to be UConn-Gonzaga. We now have tip times, 8.49 p.m. Eastern on Saturday night against – 8.49 uh, p.m. Eastern on Saturday night. It'll be on TBS, and UConn has opened as a two-point favorite. So even though UConn's the fourth seed, Gonzaga is the three, based on those strong computer numbers and the idea that you could reasonably argue – Nobody is playing better basketball right now than UConn. UConn has opened as a two-point favorite over Gonzaga. The total opened at 153.5. You mentioned that you don't know if there's a more enjoyable, entertaining, more fun team to watch uh, when it's operating at a high level than UConn. I I respect Mm. the opinion, but perhaps this will lead us straight into the East Regional. (laughs) Maybe it's Kansas State. Maybe Kansas it, State's more fun because Marquis be. Noel put on a show inside Madison Square Garden on Thursday night. The New York Native uh, finished with 20 points and an NCAA tournament record 19 assists in KSU's 98-93 overtime victory at the Garden. He threw a legendary alley-oop to Keontae Johnson in the final minute of OT. That broke a 92-92 tie. Uh, Got a layup at the buzzer that gave the Wildcats a five-point win. What did you make of of Marquise Noel's record-setting performance in his hometown and Jerome Tang's program now being – uh, just one went away uh, from its first final four appearance since 1964. This coming <laughs> after, everybody knows, KSU was picked dead last by everybody in the preseason Big 12 poll.
1: All my short kings out there, stand up! Let's go! <laughs> Marquise Noel was so fantastic in this game. I immediately regret saying UConn was the most te- fun team to watch because – Oh, my gosh, this Kansas State team. So much fun. Marquis Noel put on a show inside the Garden, coming back to New York City. uh, Noel had had 20 points, 19 assists, including 10 assists in the first half. GP, trivia time. Okay. Okay. There's only been one player in the NBA this season to have Mm -hmm. at least 10 assists in a half inside Madison Square Garden.
0: Who was it? 10 assists and a half inside Madison square garden. I'm going to be loyal. Say John Morant.
1: Oh, I knew you were going to do that. Incorrect. Oh, Jan- James Harden, February 5th had, had 10 assists in the first half. versus the Knicks finished with 12 Marquise Noel finished with 19 assists, set an NCAA tournament record. He was fantastic. Um, from start to finish, I mean, he had a, a injury scare in the second half. He came back, immediately had a crazy uh, acrobatic shot, falling down, fade away from three-point line uh, to make it. It was just his night, and it was so cool to see after the games. He's talking about uh, just being humble, like crediting his teammates. I mean, just very cliche, but you could tell like this this meant a lot to him coming back to New York City. Uh, to play in Madison Square Garden, which is like the venue of all venues, and to not only do that to to lead his team to a, to an overtime win, but to play the way that he did, I thought was so awesome. Uh, this Kansas State team, I think it will give UConn a pretty good run as as the most fun team to watch
0: in the NCAA tournament. Don't make me mess around and vote Marquis Noel National Player of the Year, because I'm not above that either. Shoot, I'll get caught up in the moment really like he's been awesome all season and I know Jalen Wilson won big 12 player of the year and I'm not going to argue with that he was uh, the best player on the outright conference champion and also had like tremendous numbers but Marquise Noel has been awesome all season and that one-two punch with him and Keontae Johnson like it's crazy to think about how effective that became because in the preseason it was like kansas state has a whole new team they lost nigel pack um who was like was was nigel pack their best guy like you know like did they just really lose their best guard and then Noel's incredible keontae johnson after not playing for roughly two years incredible both all-american level guys and this game in the garden was as fun as it gets um you, you, I imagine you're a basketball player from New York City. You always dream of playing in that place. And it probably is tied to playing for the Knicks, right? Yeah. Um, but then at some point, if you don't recognize it, other people certainly pointed out to you that uh, you're not really built like an NBA player and really not even built like a high major college basketball player. Probably not touching 5'8". And keep in mind, it got a lot of attention coming into the game because both teams, arguably best player, Michigan State and Kansas State, both the best players um, were New York natives. Um, neither one of them signed with these schools out of high school. Uh, Marquis Noel went to Little Rock. Tyson Walker went to Northeastern. So at that point, it's like whatever dreams you had about Madison Square Garden in the NCAA tournament, they have been uh, downsized considerably because. You're at a mid-major, and this is not the type of thing that happens too often for mid majors. Sometimes, sure, but not too often. Then you end up at Kansas State. Tyson Walker ends up at Michigan State. Now you're at least in the type of places that maybe you can think about these types of things happening. But for Noel specifically, you look up and you're, your whole team's new, and you're picked dead last by everybody. And look up is that a short joke? Make a short joke. <laughs> I would never. I don't feel like I'm a, equipped to do that. And to then become the star of a team that gets a top 3 seed in the NCAA tournament and then based on nothing more than the way the bracket came out, um you have a chance to play in your hometown. You get there and then not only does it live up to expectations, it like pro- exceeds them. I would have assumed and you get a win, you go 20 and 19 instead of NCAA tournament record. I mean, t- usually when you dream about perfect situations, the dream doesn't, it might go well for you, but like, it doesn't usually go perfect, like the way you would want it to go. Like I, maybe Mike Trout has been dreaming about uh, being in the box of a, uh, a, a, a big time baseball event with all eyes on him. And he had that opportunity the other night. It didn't go so well. He struck out swinging. Uh, Most times, your dreams don't go that way. But then, like Marquise Noel, 20 points, 19 assists, hit big shot after big shot, throws an alley-oop in the final minute, and, oh, by the way, does all this on a bum ankle, which, by the way, we'll see how he feels on Saturday. But he was able to fight through it on Thursday. I did notice the limping. And I'm not saying anything other than it's just something I noticed. The limping was mostly on defense. On offense, he looked pretty healthy. <laughs> he, he looked like every time he got the ball, he was able to get wherever he wanted to go. And then on defense and in dead ball situations, he'd be limping around a little bit. But boy, when he got the ball <laughs> on his hands, he was moving fine. He was moving fine.
1: I think his first possession when he jumped back into the game, he nearly turned it over. He goes and chases a loose ball. He recovers it he throws the ball basically at the basket from just outside the three point line and it goes in and then immediately is like hobbled to the point of you might have to walk me off the court. So yeah, there may be something to that, uh, but he was able to finish the game. He played so well on both ends of the floor, especially on offense. I mean, he was like their, their creator. He was, he was the guy who was creating everything on offense. The alley-oop play to, to Keontae Johnson was, I think maybe the the best highlight from this game. Um, standing at, at basically the top of the key, he's looking over at Jerome Tang, the head coach of Kansas state. And it's almost like he's arguing with Tang. Like I'm going to do this. I'm going to do this. And Tang's saying like, no, I'd rather do that. I listened to Noel in the post game. And he said, basically he had looked over at Tang and then he had caught eyes with Keontae Johnson and him and Johnson just kind of connected as like a, wink wink you know what to do so he's kind of looking the other way johnson backdoor cut goes to the goes to the rim and noel throws a perfect alley-oop johnson slams it back you know completely backwards um such a fantastic highlight i mean that was kind of emblematic of the entire game just so much fun so many plays from this kansas state team and so many highlight plays from from noel
0: specifically and um yeah, like he, you immediately coming back into the game after injuring the ankle. He's got that late shot clock banked in three. It was just an unbelievable night for him, and 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 boy, he'll he'll have that forever. And this Kansas State team, circling back to fun, we talked after Purdue got eliminated about how, and Steve Lapis pointed this out on the broadcast. I thought he was absolutely right. Once Purdue realized they couldn't get they. Two things. They couldn't get the ball to Zach Eadie, and they were on the verge of, of maybe becoming the second team ever to lose as a one seed to a 16. It, it really tightened up. Uh, there were guys with wide-open shots. They didn't want to take them. They were, they, I, I'm hesitant to use words like scared, but like they seemed hesitant to shoot. Like, I'd rather somebody else do this because I don't want to be the guy missing these shots. Kansas State is the exact opposite of that. Everybody's ready to take the shot. They... they and they've now done it tw- at least twice in this NCAA tournament. And they did it all throughout the season. Remember when they beat Kansas, they throw an alley-oops at the, at the end of that one too. So they're not afraid to throw lobs in high-stakes situations. And they're not afraid of the moment. And I do think that is on some level a reflection of Jerome Tang. I, I thought he was terrific post-game again today. Um, just talking about how much he believes in his guys and – and how much he believes in Marquise Noel. And that whole scene was was really, really special. And now, you know, he's going to get an opportunity to, to play in his hometown again um, for a chance to, to take his school to the Final Four for the first time since the 1960s. And the opponent, uh, we found out later in the night, is going to be Florida Atlantic uh, because the Owls upset Tennessee 62-55 to improve to 34 34- and three on the season they outscored ut 40 to 28 in the second half I, I couldn't help but think and i'm not trying to pile on here but it was sort of a fitting way for tennessee season to end yeah. with just a disastrous offensive performance because that's been the story of this team all season a world-class physical sometimes dirty defense but a world-class defense statistically and an offense that was just too inconsistent for them to ever Truly be great. Tonight, Thursday night, it was the seventh time this season Tennessee has failed to score at least 59 points in a game. Seven times in 36 games. Basically one out of every five games this season, the Vols were going to finish in the 50s or the 40s. Remember, they beat Auburn 46-43 in February. They scored 46 points in a win. That's how bad the offense was, how great their defense was. They could score 40s. They couldn't score more than 46 against Auburn. But all they needed was 44 to beat Auburn. That tells you everything you need to know about Tennessee. And then when Kai Ziegler was sidelined, I thought that even lowered the ceiling a little more. And then they could have used a healthy Jalen Clark. That seemed obvious to me. Obviously. Although I'm not sure it would have, uh, it would have been enough to, to hold off this Florida Atlantic team, which I, um, we talked about very early in the season. This team has always been good. And one of the times I was explaining why I didn't think Charleston belonged in the top 25, I wish I had time to go pull this quote. um, But it was something along the lines of, if you're looking for a mid-major with a great record to rank on your top 25 ballot, ballot, Florida Atlantic is the one you should be ranking right now. If you look at the resumes, the computer numbers, everything at that point in time, there was nothing, literally nothing that told you Charleston was better than Florida Atlantic. And I, I didn't I, I hated that because it came across like I was like crapping on Charleston I wasn't as much as I was saying the Florida Atlantic team is the is the mid major that deserves the national attention right now and here they are all these months later thirty four and three and the point spread has posted for that one uh, as well on Saturday. Florida Atlantic and Kansas State are going to play inside the Garden, six oh nine p.m. Eastern. And Kansas State has opened as a two point favorite. That can't be right. You you don't think it's right that Kansas State has opened as a two point favorite?
1: I'm looking at the Florida Atlantic line right now. Ken Palm hasn't favored by one.
0: Betting market said take Marquis Noel inside the Garden. Okay, it happens sometimes. Um, yeah. There was yeah, some late line but, movement today, there too. We, yeah, Kansas it was late State. line movement yep. in that one. Kansas yep. State was favored at Ken Palm. Michigan State was favored all week by like a point. And then some late yep. money appeared to come in on Kansas State. And Kansas State was technically a favorite um, at, at tip-off. Uh, and Kansas State, uh, at least according to what I'm looking at, ha- has opened as a two-point favorite <laughs> over FAU uh, on, on Saturday. What did you I, make of the way Florida Atlantic got here?
1: yeah my surprise is actually that Kansas State isn't like a four or five point favorite. Um, really impressive stuff from Florida Atlanta. Not surprising that Tennessee flamed out, thought they would do so earlier. um uh, this is a this is a Tennessee team all season that has been amazing on defense, suspect on offense. and knows Zakai Ziegler. I think there was some concern about where their creation would come from, where their offense would come from. And that was already a question. So, um, Tennessee, maybe they're the real computer trickers. Their defense was great all season. Their offense just was never quite at the level that I think was really necessary for them to make a real run. The NCAA tournament could not, um, keep up with Florida Atlantic. And this is a good Florida Atlantic team. They've won 34 games now. Um, they were really, really feisty down the stretch. John L. Davis was, again, fantastic in this game, had 15 points. And so, yeah, t- Tennessee's season officially comes to an end. Florida Atlantic, somehow, somehow a nine seed, 34-win, nine seed going on to the Elite Eight. Um, GP, I think we're going to need some hoot noises.
0: Okay, listen. <laughs> listen to this. I went and actually tried to find some owl noises. I was going to try to do this. Do you know that different owls make different noises? There is no one consistent owl noise. Did you know that?
1: As an like Everybody, thinks, everybody yeah.
0: thinks owls are like, who. Who Who!" Yeah. But I went and listened to a series of owls, mm. and none of them were, who. Who! None of them. Like, I listened to the barn owl. There's a thing called a barn owl. Right, of course. It's intense. Like it's too much. It almost sounds scary, like a horror movie. So then I was like, well that's not an owl I want to impersonate. And then I went and I found the eastern screech owl. Oh, it sounds like Cardi B. Just trust me. Go <laughs> listen to the eastern screech owl. It sounds just like what you'll hear is Cardi B. All right? Actually, I I I need to correct myself. That's the Eastern screech owl. Sounds like Cardi B. Mm. Western screech owl was the most normal owl noise I heard relative to what I think owl noises should sound like. And then the the barred owl? And it just sounded mad. Like it was upset. So that's a long way of saying I haven't quite perfected my owl noises yet. In fact, I don't even really know what owl noise I want to make. I don't know what kind of owl I am. But I do know yeah. why I am an owl. Look at me. I'm <laughs> an owl. Ooh. 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 Now if we played WAP, I would sound just like an Eastern screech owl. Should have played WAP. I don't know. know don't we, I don't know. I don't know why we don't have WAP as a drop.
1: You know what I did before this? What'd you do before this? I practice my owl noises. Are you ready? You have owl noises. <laughs> we have many owls in Oklahoma. I don't know why.
0: a bit strong jaw sounds just like an owl
1: that it, in my backyard that is an owl legit
0: what in the world
1: and that's not a barn owl either and it's that not a, western. a little
0: bit that sounded a little bit
1: like a western screech owl it was a, it was a little western screech alley a little bit eastern kind of eastern
0: screech owl sounds like cardi B I'm telling you but that western screech owl
1: that yeah. sounded a
0: little bit like you You are to Al noises as I am to Peacock noises. Together we would together we'd make quite the tandem. Great. We could we could just go we could be like uh what are some of those great Las Vegas tandems? Siegfried and Roy, is that one of them? (laughs) We could be Siegfried and Roy, except we do peacock impersonations and Al impersonations. And that's it. That's all we do.
1: Need to create OnlyFans.
0: We should start an OnlyFans. I've been (laughs) thinking We should start an OnlyFans and we just do impersonations. And maybe every gotta, once in a while we show our, like a little bit of chest hair or something. You know? That's got
1: to be someone's kink, right? Like somebody's
0: got to be into yeah. Two guys who do Peacock and Allen impersonations. There's got to be a market for that somewhere. Which we, we, we could charge what, 9.99 a month? Charge 9.99 a month minimum, I think. Oh. Are you subscribed to any OnlyFans? No. <laughs> i often think of that i'm not i'm not trying to blame anybody because like I, like i i i look at wild stuff all the time but like i i wonder like how do you get to a point where you subscribe to an OnlyFans? <laughs> like i because i'm not again i'm not shaming anybody i think i would like to do it like if somebody sent me like if you sent me your login and password i'd probably log in sometime right i'm not i'm not i'm not above it i'm just saying i i can't even fathom typing my credit card information into somebody's own. <laughs> I just can't do it. I could never do it. Having a shared bank account with my wife. I mean, just like
1: <laughs> it would literally just be me dying. Like
0: I just can't even, I can't even get past the idea of somebody <laughs> seeing my name on their only Vans. I just can't get, I can't. <clears throat> what if Sydney Sweeney had a only fans? I still couldn't, I don't think. I mean, I'd have to borrow your credit card, I think. I think I'd have to ask you to borrow your credit card. Yeah, and I love it. I love She's a sweet young woman, but I don't think I could do it. I don't think I could ever type my credit card into an OnlyFans. No. We're going to put the test of time on it, though. Maybe one day I'll reach the point where I'm like, you know what? I give in. I have got to see this person's original content. <laughs> Maybe someday I'll get there, but I just haven't got there yet. By the way, Ford Atlantic, I saw this from Jared Burson. You know Jared Burson. He invented ESPN Stats and Info. Right. Yep. It should be called Jared Burson Stats and Info if they wanted to properly honor him. He tweeted that uh, Ford Atlantic's in the Elite Eight without even shooting the ball well in this NCAA tournament. They just became the first team in the last decade to make the Elite Eight without cracking 30% from three in any NCAA tournament game. And they shot 38% for three in the regular season. That could spell trouble for Kansas State. could that's something that could spell trouble for ksu who'd you taken by the way florida
1: atlantic kansas state
0: i took kansas state but i i mean the idea that we're sitting here and in less than 48 hours either jerome tang or dusty may will be a, an official final four coach is awesome yeah it's pretty sick those are two – because, like, those are two great guys. Like, you, those are two uh, – like, you always, you, you, you always hear the saying, good things happen to good people. Not always. Not always. Sometimes good things happen to bad people. That's frustrating. And then sometimes bad things happen to good people. That's depressing. But sometimes, yeah, good things do happen to good people. And on Saturday, something good's going to happen to a good person. Either Jerome Tang in his first year as a Division One head coach or Dusty May at Florida Atlantic is going to the Final Four. Crazy, they should start an OnlyFans. You know,
1: they need to. People are if saying Only fans in the chat. Ali fans
0: <laughs> and <Allie> fans. <laughs> If you could only subscribe, we'll get out of here on this. If you could only subscribe to either Jerome Tangs or Dusty May's OnlyFans, which one would you rather subscribe to? Probably Tangs.
1: Uh, seen his dance moves. The l- yeah. little bit, little baby, like he, he can dance, so, Yeah. I feel like he'd have a lot of like inspirational
0: messages he would share with me. Probably I feel like there. he would have inspirational messages. I think yeah. he could inspire me. His vibes are immaculate. Yeah. Immaculate vibes. Mm-hmm. I like Dusty May. But looking dude. Uh, Good looking guy. Maybe the answer is Dusty May. Maybe it comes down to what are you looking for in your OnlyFans subscription, you know? What are you after? What are you after? Peacock if you after noises. one thing, it could be Jerome Tang. If you're after another thing, it could be Dusty May. If you're after peacoy, pe- peacock noises and owl noises, it could be us. We got you. We got you covered. Strong jaw. That's a hell of an owl impression. I'm really proud of you. Thanks. I say this as someone who has been doing um, animal impressions for years. I'm really proud <laughs> of you. I'm proud of you. You put the work in. I did. You're a little bit like the Marquis Noel of this podcast. You put the work in. You put the work in. You didn't just expect something like that to happen. Right. You put the work in. And then when it was time to deliver, you delivered. You, Marquise Noel, and and you're doing it in your hometown. So you, Marquise Noel, and Julian Strother, all have big nights in your hometowns tonight. It's my city, GP. Marquise Noel set a record. Julian Strother hit an all-time shot. And you perfectly impersonated him now. God bless you. Thank you for being here. Shouts to Devin Downey. Shouts to Chester, South Carolina. Shouts to Huck. Shouts to Larnell. Thank you guys once again for watching, listening. Ion College Basketball Podcast. If you're not subscribed, please go subscribe anywhere you subscribe to podcasts, including Apple Podcasts and Spotify at Apple. Five stars. Leave a nice review. There's more of us than there are of them. That needs to be reflected in the comments. If you're not subscribed to the YouTube channel, do that. And then... I'm going to be here late Friday after the next round of Sweet 16 games, and we'll do it all over again. Till then, take care.